The Heavy Metal Detectors podcast is inspired by the Heavy Metal Detectors Facebook group. If you're looking for a place to connect with other detectors in your area, search the Heavy Metal Detectors on Facebook. Join a group in your state. Start sharing your latest finds, get tips, ask questions. Just search Heavy Metal Detectors on Facebook and join the fun. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to the Heavy Metal Detectors Podcast. I'm your host, Sidney Covey. Today we have a special guest with us. We have Martin Munson of Kentucky Cornelius Metal Detecting. Martin enjoys all aspects of the hobby from researching before the hunt to researching his finds after. Martin did a little detecting as a kid, then was out of the hobby for a number of years till his son got a metal detector for Christmas. Since then, Martin has re-entered the hobby full steam. One of his favorite aspects of the hobby is returning lost items to people. How are you doing, doing this evening, Martin? Really well. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, Enjoying the weather, hopefully. Can't beat springtime in Kentucky. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, tell us a little bit about Kentucky Cornelius Metal Detecting. Uh, how that got started, kind of how you got started back in, into metal detecting, and. Uh, what you do with Kentucky Cornelius okay. Metal Detecting? So really, uh, it got. I had been detecting for a while. Um, just was kind of messing around on the internet. Saw people were putting up YouTube videos, Facebook uh, pages, all that kind of stuff, giving themselves names and things. Hey, I should probably, you know, have a name. You know, it'll go along with the crowd on the internet. So um, I kind of settled on uh, Kentucky. Play off of uh, Ecorn Cornelius from the uh, that uh, Christmas uh, Christmas cartoon about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You know, he's always out there searching for uh, for silver and gold. So I thought, well, that's a that play on that would be a good handle to have for a uh, somebody who's out metal detecting. So, um, you know, the other day though, somebody pointed out that well, you know, he never actually found silver and gold. <laughs> He always looked for it, but he never found it. So, uh, anyway, I I guess I found gold. So I, I uh, it was a good thing I changed changed the name to Kentucky Cornelius. Um, kind of the kicker for all of that was too. Back in the day, I had a Mike Redfield who liked to look like a character from a TV show. So it, it all fit. Um, so with that, what I you know what I like to do is uh, promote the hobby itself. I think a great hobby, uh, and how I do it primarily is through Facebook, uh, through a Facebook page that I have. I finally decided to start posting friendly reminders that I was coming coming in contact with. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I think they're they were pretty cool, and I thought maybe others in the hobby would enjoy seeing them as well. So, um, put up a Facebook page. I'm active in some of the Facebook groups, um, probably more under my name. But um, still active in some of the Facebook groups around uh, around metal detecting. Uh, and honestly, what I really what I have come to like one of the best things I really like about the hobby is the way that you can 
actually help, help others out. So, um, you know, doing finds for people of items they've lost is, is incredible. So, um, I can't, you know, I've, I've returned a number of rings to folks and I can't remember a time somebody wasn't almost in tears or as genuine tears when they, got, when they got it back. So, being able to, you know, use the skills, knowledge, and tools that I have to help other people is, uh, is one of the whole benefits of the whole hobby. So, I'm blessed to be able to do that. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's one of the great things, like you said, about the hobby is you're able to, to get out and help people find things they've lost. A lot of that stuff has sentimental value to, to people, uh, wedding rings, something their mother had or, or their father had. Um, and, you know, that gets to, uh, you know, they, they lose it and they, they definitely want it back. So yep, that's, that's exactly. a great thing. What are some of the, the kind of coolest places you've uh, ever detected? Well, for most people probably won't think this is too cool, but for me, um, Back in the, the turn of the century, or early 19th century, probably a little bit later, but let's just say early 19th century, um, uh, my great-grandmother uh, bought a one-room pool house out in Michigan. So uh, back here a couple years ago, I um, was able to get to that location and do some detecting around where that was. So uh, the tie back to the Pretty cool. Um, back to where my where my great grandmother taught in the school was was really kind of uh, a great a great place to detect. So um, I think that again, a lot of people would think a, a one room schoolhouse is the best, but you know, for me, I think that was probably one of the coolest places I've ever been been able to get to. Can you tell us uh, about some of the more interesting finds you've had? And, uh, you know, I've seen on Facebook where you, uh, uh, I believe it was in Florida, uh, and you found a phone for a, an owner and was able to, to return that to the owner. Can sure. you tell us a little more about um, that? Um, yeah, I think, well, one of the more interesting finds, and I just, I found this just yesterday. <laughs> so um, it was a uh, counterfeit counterfeit uh, half dollar from 1854. Um, it was all kind of broken up in pieces. Uh, it certainly wasn't silver, but it, I mean, it looked pretty real. Um, so uh, I tested one of the, the specific gravity of one of the pieces, and it didn't, it turned out it wasn't silver. Um, along the lines of jewelry and everything like that. But, so that, you know, that was pretty cool. Definitely a part of the, part of history. U.S. that not a lot of people know about, um, but to the phone, the phone piece in Florida, so going from the 1850s to the 20, <laughs> 2020s, uh, um, I was on vacation with my family in Florida over, uh, over spring break and was obviously doing metal, metal detecting activities. Um, it started at a public beach and was 
walking down toward some hotels that were further down the beach and then uh, came across this pretty nice signal that said that they had, it wasn't in the water, but it said um, <clears throat> it was below the high tide line Um, so, lo and behold, it was 112, so brought it home, put it in a bag of rice, uh, dried it out, um, and then plugged it in and started it all the way up, and I was able to get into the emergency contact portion of the phone and was able to contact the owner's uh, spouse and uh, got their address and well for them and I felt like I got to return the phone to them. They had lost it almost an entire month earlier in the water. So the guy had lost it actually out in the uh, Atlantic Ocean uh, when he was out playing with his kids in the water. And uh, I found it about a month later buried in the sand. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a surprising find. That's that's for sure. Even I guess even more surprising is the fact that it still works. So, have, you know, those are some pretty harsh conditions for you to stay there a month. So, uh, the thing, the thing powered up, and I guess it worked fine. A happy reunion with the phone and its previous owner. That's amazing, you know, to to be able to find that almost a month later and get it get it back to the owner that's just a, a testament of what people can do using a metal de detector not only to find the the fun stuff and the the treasures but to, to help people out yep definitely so it's a great part of the hobby the heavy metal detectors podcast is sponsored by metal detecting stuff check out metal detecting stuff for all your metal detecting needs Stocking dealer that offers competitive pricing with personal and excellent customer service before and after your purchase. Visit metaldetectingstuff.com. And as we discussed earlier, one of the uh, things that you like to do is researching, uh, you know, before you, you go out and, and detect on a place and, and the finds. Uh, can you tell someone that may be a beginner in, into the hobby uh, how you kind of go about doing that research and how you find that, that right. type of so information? There's, I mean, there's a, a number of different ways to do it. Um, so if you're looking for some of the older places around, the, uh, the USGS has, uh, US Geological Service has uh, maps that um, they go back into the early 1900s, um, available online. So, um, and what what you can do with those is you're able to to download those maps, um, and then you can overlay them onto uh, their current locations using uh, Google Earth and some other some other apps out there as well. Um, so you can overlay them on there and you can see where the old buildings are where based on uh, current locations. So um, you can find, you know, find out where all the churches were, where all the schools were, uh, where a lot of old farms 
kids used to be those kinds of things and um and then not only that uh, once you find out where those are at because they're, they're listed on the usps map uh once you overlay them onto google earth you're able to pinpoint the exact location of those objects in, in today's timeline so that's that's a pretty handy thing um then you know obviously the next step is to find out who the current owner is um, all of those kinds of things. So uh, those are some of the next steps. The other other kind of um, ways are contacting some of the local historical societies, uh, especially in some of the more smaller towns or rural communities. Um, a lot of times they have volunteers there who know, uh, they have just a wealth of information. So connecting with those folks, um, you know, they can, they can not only connect you with places, but typically uh, they know the people to connect you with too. So they can actually put you in touch with both the places and the people. But um, you know, so making the connections to some of the, some of the uh, historical societies around. A lot of them now have a website, so you can at least um, contact the historical society in your rural and uh, kind of start your conversation. Or even um, small local museums. Uh, you know, a lot of small towns have some kind of museum somewhere, based on some of the local history. So, going in there, talking to the folks that are working in there and running the place. Um, again, they can probably put you in touch with um, put you in touch with both the places and the people around um, that particular area that you could uh, could hopefully approach and, and contact about doing some kind of a artifact recovery on some of the old properties there. So uh, those are some of the some of the you know pretty basic and simple ways to go about it. And I guess the third one is just uh, take a day and maybe drive around and do some cold cold calling on old looking properties. <laughs> so um, that's worked out pretty well. Uh, we're a detecting buddy of mine. He uh, um, he stopped and asked somebody he, that he had saw the, the old, old property, and the guy was, was the guy was more than happy to let us come out and uh, do some searching on his property. So, um, you know, we inspected his property. We we, we uh, dug our plugs correctly. We replaced everything back, and we were done. You couldn't really tell we had been there, and certainly within a day or two, you couldn't have. Then you wouldn't have been able to tell we were there, um, and you know every time we contact him to come back, he's more than happy happy to welcome us back. So um, it's you know any one of those methods is a great way to find places and connect with people and uh, do some do some great uh, artifacts. That's great information, you know. That's the reason I got into metal detecting was the the research and, and history, because there's just so much great history out there, uh, and a lot of it's laying beneath the yep. the dirt. It, so. it sure is. Uh, if your time's limited, and, and here in Kentucky, uh, you know, we're able to metal detect in public parks, and I, I think 
for the majority most places you're allowed to um you know you're hunting a park you, you've got limited time uh where do you usually like to concentrate your time when you've just got a little bit of time and, and you just want to get a quick yeah in so at, at a park? um but let me clarify the park thing uh jefferson county all the public parks are not so just for people listening that's that's louisville Mercer county nothing is allowed in any kind of public park there so um and obviously state parks are off limits to kentucky and national parks are off limits so um so small community parks <laughs> town or county parks uh other places in the state when when you get a chance and um and go there really um you can do a little research and see what may have been been there earlier again with your usgs map you may be finding that there used to be large government on that what is now a, a public park um but if you don't have have that you just happen to have your detector in your car you've got a spare half an hour to go well the folks you were with are running on some kind of errand um the first place i typically check is a volleyball court if uh the sand volleyball court there um and there's and there's not people on it and the other one would be kind of the kids playground areas uh and again if there's not kids there i i don't know if there's kids playing or people using the um people using the volleyball court pretty much when they're when they're not busy is when i would go in but uh those would be the two places i would check first um then after that um around benches where people might sit uh basketball court uh around around the perimeter of those where people might leave their bags those kinds of things um are probably the, the, the next area and then finally if there's a it's a if it's a park that does a venue with concerts um you know find out where the concerts are held in the park and then uh kind of search those search those areas as well so that's that's kind of the the preference I would search through in a park based on location. And I've also found if it's uh, a park that has a, a football field or a soccer field or even some baseball fields, around those are pretty right. good areas as well. Uh, anywhere yep. people's going exactly. to Exactly. I, I tend to not go onto the actual playing field um, and stick to the perimeter. But, uh, but yeah, definitely. You know, going back to, to your trip to Florida, um, what's some tips for detecting on the beach and in or around water? Uh, I, you know, the first is to make sure you have a detector that can handle it. Uh, the, the salt beaches are hev heavily mineralized, so um, if your detector can't handle it, you're pretty much going to have to stay to the, uh, to the dry sand, which is okay. I mean, people hang out on the dry sand and drop all kinds. Uh, but in the water, um, and or next to the water, I guess really what I what I do is first of all I kind of I try to go during low tide. So, or as after sometime after high tide and before low tide, simply because you can get out then where um, where people had been swimming previously. So um, somewhere be, as the tide is going out between high tide and low tide. 
and then I kind of uh, make a zigzag pattern and try to find um, try to find coins or um, heavier items. <laughs> and then once I kind of find out where that that line of heavier items is, and then I just tend to um, walk that line, so to speak, in you know back and forth. Um, if it's possible, I'll. Uh, if I'm not in the water myself itself, I will um, drag the handle or the, the scoop part of my sand scoop so I can kind of look back and see where it was. Um, so when I turn back and come back the other way, I'm not just slapping and trying again too much. Um, what else? And again, I tend to go where you kind of want to go where people congregate the most, and then watch the wave action, you know, if it's generally a northerly or southerly wave action, then kind of go start where people were and then kind of work the way that the waves are going to go. So um, they, if you watch the waves, they don't typically roll straight in kind of straight to the shore. They kind of change direction on the other. So then I, I kind of go towards, kind of go with the waves, the direction the waves end up, because um, that's kind of the way that um, so that's, and again, so I think um, having the right equipment is key. Uh, I really, I bought a sand scoop. And, uh, it, it, the handle detaches uh, part two pieces, so it fits my luggage. Uh, that, that piece of equipment right there is just almost mandatory to use in sand scoops. So you can do it with some of the uh, some of the other uh, the smaller plastic handheld ones, but um, uh, it it just makes it a little bit harder. And also, I've been to winter too, and that that really helps a lot. You get a big blob of sand, and you just quickly can do it quickly. Take out uh, take out whatever metal it is, and just detect it going off and use it again. Um, I think you know. Kind of try all those things and then um, go from there. Great advice. And, and you know, to kind of wrap up, what other advice or tips um, would you give the beginner metal detector that's just getting out there, getting started, and very yeah. interested so, in the hop? Uh, there's a whole a whole wealth of things. <laughs> That you can do. Um, I guess if you just just got your detector wherever you got it from in the mail or a store or a dealer, wherever it is, um, go ahead and give it a shot in your own backyard. All right, read your read your instruction manual. Give it a shot in your backyard. See what you can do. Practice uh, cutting a plug and getting it to act consistently, so that um, when you do go out to a public spot. Huge mess of public hands, or if you get a permission to go out there yourself. Um, the other thing that would would be I would advise people to do is um, bury a bury a few things in your own yard, note what they are and where they are, and then you know make a test garden and test out your detector on how various various metallic coins, grains. That kind of stuff sounds. Um, 
in the ground. The uh, program that you take care of. So go ahead and do that. Uh, also, there's enough videos out on unboxing the pros and how to um, travel all the perspectives out there. So you can certainly familiarize yourself with some of the basics that way. Um, and then finally, when you know, you feel comfortable, go ahead and venture out into one of the public parks. Uh, try to do a door knock and get your first admission and see how it goes. So, uh, but th those would be some of the, uh, the of the Definitely read through that introduction. Uh, it's going to have a, a good bit of information in there. Um, that that I know with a few times when I so recently I've got gotten a new detector. Um, you know, and I practice in my test garden. I've done all kinds of stuff, but when I go out live the first time to some place that matters. Um, me, then I will. Uh, I'll actually download the manual and have it on my phone so when I need to reference it. You can learn from people who have been doing it for years and years and years, um, and you know, connect with them, get advice, get tips from them. Uh, you know, chances are they 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 may not have your exact detector, but they know enough about how detectors work that they can. Lot of good tips and tricks and advice to help you make uh, your detection journey more successful. And speaking about you know practicing digging the plug, that was one of the things I found very beneficial when I started is getting a quality shovel and just going out and practicing digging a plug. Not even having the detector with me, just going out of my own yard, dig a plug, flip it over. Put it back in. Uh, you know, practicing that is a very important part of the hobby, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I approach it as um, a leap. You know, I'll, I used to do a lot of backpacking as well, so I I, I approach it as a regional trade hobby. Right? You don't want anybody to know that you were there uh, the, the day after you were there, basically. And you, it's possible to dig plugs. Take care. You have to practice, and uh, you have to return it correctly when you're done. So, um, and you know, it's really hard to do that with a garden spade that you pick up from the big box store, right? You, you know, you really need a decent, a decent shovel or a decent hand digger to be able to, to do a plug right. And then one final thing, anyone that, that may need the, the service of having uh, a ring or, or something found, how can they contact you? Yeah, so really I've got on my Facebook page, if you just do a Facebook search on Detector Cornelius, it'll come up. Um, my phone number's on there. I've got a email associated with it as well. So both basically that way. Um, Go ahead and get a hold of me. So, um, you know, and if if that somebody who's listening needs that service, just know that it's 
the three servers, and certainly there's no charge for any type of jewelry or heirloom uh, kind of haunting can be done. So, um, you know, the only thing that, and I, I don't do this on any type of fast-to-fast or skyrocketing, and if the place was an hour or hour and a half away, I might ask for a little bit of gas money to, to help offset that cost. But honestly, you know, pretty much not anymore. If you lost it, get a hold of me, and I will definitely do my best to get it back in your hands. It's, it's one of the best things I can do. I, I try to do it as often as possible. That's, uh, that's great, and it, it's, it's awesome that you provide that service for people um, and generally help them get those things back. Martin, I want to thank you for being on the show and for the great tips and advice that, uh, that you've given. It's true. Um, you know, and uh, don't forget to check out Kentucky Cornelius Metal Detecting on Facebook. Give it a like. Martin, thank you again, and uh, we hope everyone has a wonderful evening. All right. Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Get to follow Heavy Metal Detectors Podcast on Facebook. Heavy Metal Detectors Podcast is now streaming wherever your podcasts are available. Are you looking to remodel your kitchen, bathroom, or outdoor living space? Call Integrated Home Design, Central Kentucky's number one choice for remodelers. Voted 2022 Best in Lexington and a five-star A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Call Integrated at Home Design today at 859-455-9651 to schedule your free in-home design consultation and free quote.